When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. I'm your host as always, Andrew Musgrove, joined as always by John Gibson for this episode. And what a match preview it is. Newcastle United face Southampton. In the EFL Cup semi-final second leg, they go into this game one 0 to the good after a dominating performance down at St Mary's. It's a shame the goals didn't follow what was a, a dominant performance, but a, you know we'll take the one 0 advantage, John. Um, I don't know about you, but over the past couple of days, I've been really, really nervous. I mean, I was expecting it to set in maybe today, which is Monday, but it's setting a lot sooner. I think I've got a real case of cup fever. Well, yeah, I mean, I my fever will come at Wembley when I'll be desperate for us to win. I've watched about four successive cup final failures at Wembley. I think 74, 76, 98, 99, yeah. Since I, uh, since I watched them as a kid win the FA Cup at Wembley in the 50s when I was a little bairn, uh, I've reported for the Chronicle on four successive Wembley Cup final failures, so I think that's when my nerves will come in. To be truthful, and it might be frightening, and I don't want to push my luck, but I mean, I'm so confident about this. With the don't say that, John. Don't say that. It's it's a knocking bet. This what what we're talking about is not the Newcastle United that you and I have learned to fear over the last uh, decade and a half. This is a totally new Newcastle United. Newcastle United don't do those sort of things anymore. Um, they're 1-0 up. There should have been a lot more, but it, it keeps the match nice and bubbly and interesting because if it had been 3-0, it would have been good night, Irene, and we would it would have been a stroll and it wouldn't have been so clever. And we know the final now. The second legs haven't been played, but it's Newcastle v Manchester United in February at Wembley. And we are 1-0 up from an away leg. They're 3-0 up from an away leg. Newcastle don't do defeats anywhere. They certainly don't do defeats at St James's Park. And they certainly don't do defeats against the side of the quality of Southampton. You, I mean, Newcastle, heaven forbid, and this would be the nightmare, Newcastle can draw and they're still at Wembley. Now, a draw would be a nightmare because we're much better than that and we don't want to draw with Southampton. We want to beat Southampton and we will beat Southampton. But Newcastle are going to Wembley. The, the, the real discussion then starts about how Wembley will go with Manchester United. But we'll leave I that for a future I'm gonna have to, I was going to say, I'm going to have to dive in there because 
I can hear people already listening to this saying, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, while you're saying your super confidence, I hope you're also about to say you're not going to underestimate Southampton here because I felt they showed in the, those last 20 minutes of the second leg that, you know, they can pose a threat. Um, Eddie Howe won't be going into this game underestimating Southampton. Say, Newcastle these days don't underestimate sides. They're, they're, that isn't their makeup either of Eddie Howe, of his coaching staff, or of the players. My concern always with Newcastle United these days, and it remains my concern now, is where the goals are going to come from. Defensively, we're mean and magnificent. By far the best defence in the Premier League. Stats, which I'm not normally a stats man, you much more so. Stats prove it. And that is the one stat that matters, that we've only let in 11 goals all season in the Premier League. Um, we've got the best defence. And by the way, we haven't got to get a lead this time. We've got the best defence and we've got a one lead. Um, so that is, I'm confident. And you know what? Having had years, way before Ashley, years of Newcastle not winning something, I'm so comforted to feel confident. But while I feel confident, I realise you can't underestimate anything. For goodness sake, I went down with Newcastle United to Hereford when they were non-league part-timers and we lost. So we know what it's like to, to do the the unforgivable, the impossible, but I just honestly don't see it. What I see is Newcastle's problem is scoring goals. And we've had three not-not draws uh, in the league out of the last four games. And it's always a matter if are we going to score? Are we going to score? We have all the game. We missed a hat-trick if headers at Crystal Palace. We missed a hat-trick of open goals at Southampton with shots that not just skimmed the crossbar, but went so high over the crossbar that went into orbit. I think they'll have arrived on the moon by now. And so we were worried about, will we score? Because we're giving up chances. And we did score eventually. That's terrific. Yes, we'll be talking about exactly the same thing tomorrow night. Where's the goal? Where's the goal? Where's the goal until it comes? And I'll repeat what I've said over the last two or three podcasts, Andrew, and that is that I want to see Callum Wilson and Miggy Stardust go back to what they were, what they were doing earlier this season very, very well because we need them scoring goals again. Well, this is probably the key question is, does Callum Wilson retain his place in the start 11? I would like to see... Isaac start, and we know Eddie Howe doesn't change a team unless he really needs to, but I just think Callum Wilson, his form is just not there. This is a 90-minute game. You know, I mean, obviously, it could go an extra time, what have you, but this is like a one-off game. You need your very best players on top of their game, and you have a man in Alexander Isaac who came off the bench, changed the game in the first leg. You know, he scored against Fulham the dying moments. He looks sharp. He looks like he's ready to hit the ground and grab a few goals. For me, he starts on Tuesday against Southampton. What about you, John? Yeah, if I was picking the team, that would be true. I mean, we've scored two goals, and that's all, in the last X number of games. And he got one against Fulham, and he made one um, He made one the other night for us to have the one they lead at Southampton. I would start with him. I've got a suspicion that 
Eddie won't. Um, because Eddie is loyal to players. He's particularly loyal when Newcastle are winning and they won the last game at Southampton. And I've got a feeling that he'll probably go with an unchanged team and bring Isaac on early doors. I would like to see Isaac start instead of Wilson without the shadow of doubt. Eddie Howe might well take the line that... Um, I, this is the time to show loyalty to Wilson, to thank him for what he's done in the past and prove that uh, I care about him. And the best way from the start scoring is not having been dropped and brought on as a sub, but having been supported from the start and he'll knock in a goal and then everything will change. I've got a suspicion there will be an unchanged team and Wilson will start. I would certainly start with Isaac and bring Calamon off the bench. And Barry Collins says he agrees, John. He'll start unchanged, but we do have quite a few people in the comments watching live who would like to see Isaac start. Uh, Roger Cook says much more time for Isaac and will score. The uh, kind of phrase says from Isaac and Max, of course, and I think he was talking there about your comments earlier in, in the show. The other one is Alan St. Maximan. Um, again, comes off the bench, probably has his best cameo uh, performance in a, in a long while. He was taking the ball up the pitch when Newcastle won a bit of pressure. Calls for him from some to start on Tuesday. Again, I'm one of those who actually says, yes, start him. I'd like to see him start. Newcastle go for broke, get a couple of goals in the first half, and then you just kind of sit back and, and you're not on the edge of your seat for the second half. That being said, I agree with you, John. I don't think that will happen. I think you've got much more chance of seeing Isaac start. I don't think St. Maxim will start, despite my wish that he would. Um, what do you think? I think he won't start, and I don't particularly want him to start. Um, I've, I've felt for a long time, and I've been a, a St. Maximum fan in the past, in as much as I can see his raw potential is absolutely huge. It's got to be converted from potential into a, an every match occurrence because age-wise is no longer one for the future. He's a one for today. And I've just felt that recently, you know, since that great game with Man City that was followed by his wonder goal at Wolves and then that was it. I just feel body language is told me he's not a happy bunny. And I don't mean anybody should be happy not to be in the side, but even when he comes on, he doesn't look the bubbly, effervescent character that he once was when he was top dog at Newcastle, untouched, unquestioned. And, of course, the signing of Anthony Gordon's, going to not, not for this match and not necessarily for Saturday because how it reduces people cautiously, but that's going to put him back down the pecking order even further. Because Anthony Gordon hasn't been bored to sit on the subs bench all day or, or to go on after San Maximum. He will he will be pushing to play wide left in the league side with Joe Linton, who's loved by uh, Eddie Howe as well as by all of us, dropping back into a mid into his old midfield goal. And um, San Maximum is further down the, the, the pecking order and long-term, long-term not being this transfer window that's ending tomorrow night, but at the end of the summer transfer window, I wonder whether San Maximum might be here. I'm going to slightly disagree with you on that, John. I, I, I think, obviously, he's not bouncing around, you know, 
celebrating and popping the champagne. But I, I don't think he's he's necessarily upset or down. I think he's just getting his head down and working hard. I mean, you know, on on uh, last Tuesday against Southampton, Newcastle really needed him, and he came on. He listened to the instructions. He did exactly what he was told to do, and it benefited Newcastle. Obviously, got the man sent off, and I think he's he's. I think it's it's been a test of his character to go from top dog, the only top dog in this in this squad, to being in a pool of big names and big players. And what we need from him is consistency. That only comes with a run of games. But I think he's handled it all right. I think a lot of you know a, a lot of players of his ability and reputation may have kicked up a fuss. They may have you know caused a bit of trouble. But I think he's just got down. Got his head down and just and just worked hard, which is it, which is it, which is a great sign and a great element to have in the squad. Yeah, and I know his people have been looking at the possibility of moving away. I know that for a fact, uh, and have been talking very privately to clubs, etc., etc. Um, Anthony Gordon is a direct further challenge to his position. I don't think anybody can pretend it's any other way because Anthony Gordon's a wide player who's been bought for 40 million down and 45 million with add-ons. He's not going to be here another. Eventually, he's going to figure very strongly in the team, the way Isaac is in some way. And you've got Almiron and you've got Wilson and, uh, you know, it's getting lovely up there at the top end. And so it should be because with all these people, we're still short of goals. And, um, and I'm, I was just talking, as I said to you, not just about the start tomorrow night or about the closing of the transfer window tomorrow night, but I'd be interested to see where San Maximum is at the end of the summer transfer window. I hope he's here and playing magnificently. And the same with Gordon and the same with Almond, because the more the merrier. And we're going to be in Europe next season and we're going to lead an awful lot of bodies. But I'm facing facts then the facts are that the future of San Maximum, whether it's decided by Newcastle United or by Allen himself, buckling down and being in tremendous form or saying, I've had enough, I'm off, it's going to be interesting. And for the moment, stay. I don't think he'll be transferred by tomorrow night at 11 o'clock. Uh, but it, it's going to be fascinating, especially with Gordon coming in. You know, he's not a mid, he's not a centre midfield player. He's not a right back like Ashby. He's a, a, a direct challenge to Allen, and that's terrific because good players need challenge. Wilson's got Isaac breathing down his neck. Um, both the wide players, San Maximum and Almiron, have got um, Joe Linton and Gordon breathing down the neck. We want that. That's why we're concerned about midfield because Shelby could well be gone and, well, he is gone. And then what we've got three midfielders um, in in uh, Longstaff and Willick and Bruno with perhaps Joe Linton dropping in there when Gordon comes in up top or San Maximum. Um, but we're very shallow there. We need midfield. We're shallow in midfield. And we've got to double up everywhere because we're building for Europe next year. Because unless we do a Devon Locke, who went all the way around for the younger people, went all the way around the Grand National course, jumping in front, and then on the home run, 
suddenly collapsed for some unknown reason and went this and, and was passed and didn't win. Unless we do something like that, we're in Europe next season and we need every player possible. A few comments here on um, the squad and on St. Maximus. So Rob Hall says, if we get to Europe, we'll need a large squad of players. Sean says, if Maxi hasn't been playing his best because he's been out for a while and been thrown back in there, he's been good. So you feel for Maxi, I wouldn't like to see him go. Uh, to kind of phrase says, I simply don't get the negativity towards Maxi, especially when he's out injured. He can affect the game when he doesn't. How can he affect the game when he doesn't play? When he came on against Southampton, he was class. Now, let's hear what Eddie Howe was had to say. It's his press conference um, going on right now as we speak. You've mentioned John Joe Shelby. He's confirmed John Joe Shelby is talking to Forrest. Um, it looks like Shelby will be a Forest player by the end of the day. We'll get onto that in just a moment. I just want to read you a quote from um, Eddie Howe about the Southampton game. He said... I've drilled this into the players. This game is by no means over. This tie is not over. It's very much in the balance. We're going to need a top performance and we're going to need the crowd with us from minute one until the end. Well, we know the crowd are going to be with you um, from minute one until the end and very much after. Um, but the message there from Eddie Howe, this isn't over. And that's that's really important as it goes back to what we said at the start. You can be confident, but we have to realise that, that you know Southampton can still carry a threat. And it was interesting, John, that last week there was no team picture in the dressing room after the game. You know, the, the you know the usually it's there time. yeah, it's half time, time exactly. Um, how difficult though is it now? So obviously Eddie Howe saying we've drilled it into the players. He's saying it there to the to the press. But how difficult is it to stop the minds wandering? Because as we've seen with yourself there and people in the comments, and I've, I've been guilty of it this weekend. I've had a little think about Wembley and walking down Wembley Way. How easy is it for Eddie Howe to, to get the players not to do that? Yeah, well, I mean, Eddie Howe's a better politician than anybody that's in Westminster, which is not difficult these days, I must admit. But he is. He says the right things. He always says the right things. But in this case, he really means them. Because he realises, as manager, the greatest threat to Newcastle United is not Southampton, it's their own complacency. If they Southampton have nothing to lose. They're worn down, they're playing away from home, they have nothing to lose. They may as well go for it. This isn't the league game. If you lose 1-0, you're out. If you lose 6-0, you're out. Southampton may as well have a go at Newcastle, perhaps catch them cold, perhaps catch them complacent, catch them fat cats. And, uh, and if it doesn't work, well, they're already out before they come up here from their point of view. Um, I think it is very difficult to control players' minds because players are individuals and they'll believe what they believe and do what they want to do. And, and bad apples will go out the night before game. And we've got none, by the way. I'm not meaning Newcastle, but we've, I've seen a million in the past. And managers can't influence that. They can just get them out the club. I think it is easier to control the minds of this squad than most because they're a terrific bunch. They're a good bunch. They're professionals. The new ones can see what can happen at this club, like Bruno and, and Trippier, and they bring their professionalism and their enthusiasm and their ability to the table. And the older ones, like Joe Linton 
and San Maximum and Cher and Almiron. They can just, they can remember what it was like one year ago. So they're, they're going to buy into anything. They want this to keep going. This, they don't want this bubble to burst. And Southampton have got an hour and a half and anything can go wrong. Newcastle could give away a penalty in the second minute. They could have a bloke sent off in 20 minutes, heaven forbid. But that is football. And then the whole complexion's changed in Southampton are the favourites to go to Wembley. Of course it's true. Of course it's right what, what um, Eddie Howe's saying. And I think the message will get through. And that's yet another reason why I'm confident. I can afford to be confident because I'm sitting on the outside looking in. I'm not influencing what happens on the pitch. And you know what? I like to be confident. I'm not stupidly confident. I wouldn't be confident at not nil, 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 or one nil down. But it's such a relief to, to feel a bit of confidence after 20, 30, 40 years of not doing that. We haven't done won a domestic trophy since 55 and also Andrew when we get to Wembley that's the time to be nervous you're facing Manchester United a huge club but we no longer fear them mind because we've gone to Manchester United and got a draw and we've played all the top teams and haven't got beaten but it's a one-off and I've sat that's when I'll be nervous I sat in 74 and watched this lose. I sat in 76 and watched this lose. I sat in 98 and watched this lose. I sat in 99 and watched this lose. We could easily go to Wembley this time and lose. I happen to think this is the best chance we've got uh, of all those finals. Those finals, you know, when you think of them, Andrew, we were second favourite in a two-horse race in every one of those finals. We're not second favourite if we get to Wembley this year and if Man United get to Wembley this year. I think, I think the key point again is, is if I, I'm loving the confidence, but there's, there are a few people in the comments just saying, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, Sean's saying we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves here. We need to beat Southampton. Yes, we have an advantage being at home with Southampton. was a tough game. Um, so I think there's a lot of people just uh, just trying to just not think too far ahead of themselves. Um, that being said, you mentioned there the list of players that were here under Steve Bruce that were here during the Ashley years that were part of a squad, part of a club that showed no ambition that, you know, the thought of getting to the fourth round of the FA Cup was a success. You know, any further would have been, it would have been amazing back in the, the, the Ashley days. Here they are with one foot in the final. Um, how important will it be for those guys who, as you say, have experienced the dark days of Newcastle United? Can they, del- can they help deliver a different kind of message to to the new guys and kind of just paint the picture. You know, these fans, we went along that journey with these fans for the last five, six years. You know, it, it, it's time to, it's time Absolutely. to stamp the new era in. Absolutely. I mean, none of us have forgotten that. Um, they were desperate days. And I bet that Joe Linton and Shaw and Miggy Almiron, before... The club was taken over, and before Eddie Howe come in, never dreamed there could be anywhere near winning a trophy with Newcastle United. Never dreamed they could possibly play in the Champions League with Newcastle United, because that was an absolute impossibility. And believe you me, uh, when Trippier and Bruno come to this club, we had more chance of going down than staying up. 
and and they bought into that and they fought tooth and nail and they epitomise what the new Newcastle United's about. Everything about those two players are a plus. It applies to others like Dan Byrne, etc. Of course it does. Um, but nobody's got short memories. There's people like Miggy and Shaw will be telling the rest of the boys. People like Trippier and Bruno will be saying, when we come into this club, it was impossible. People like Pope went down with Burnley before he signed for Newcastle. That's why these players have their feet on the ground, because they've known the bad days and they've known them very recently. And that's why they won't get carried away and they will see the job through. I'm convinced of it. Tomorrow night, they will see the job through. But they're not underestimating everything. They don't want to go back from where they were. None of them, including Nick Pope, who, was, who is the best goalkeeper in the world, according to the fellow behind you there, Bruno. And, and I'm not going to, there he is, and I'm not going to dispute that rating of Pope because he's sensational. And that's why he's on a, the cusp of a record for clean sheets with Newcastle United. But he knows what relegation's like because he was part of that. And that will stand them all in good stead, not only tomorrow night, but at Wembley should we get there and in the fight for a Champions League place. You've also got the likes of Longstaff and Byrne, you know, Jory fans. So they will be able to tell, um, you know, the, the rest of the squad just what it means. This is more than a game. I'm this sure they've done massive. that already. Yeah, you know, Terry McDermott's son working and the backroom staff as well. So there's all these jewelry connections. And of course, you know, they'll walk out on Tuesday night, they'll see the flags, they'll feel the atmosphere. And if that uh, doesn't push them over the line, then goodness knows what will. Um, I assume, John, for you, you think anyhow we'll pick an un unchanged side of everyone's fit and, 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 and good I do, go. providing everyone's fit and we never get a real um, uh, inside look into that before a game. And I can thoroughly understand why, because he doesn't want Southampton know him. We only learn sometimes of an actual injury when the team's announced an hour before kickoff. Mm. But everybody being fit and considering they didn't play at the weekend, there's a good chance that everybody is fit. I think it will be unchanged, uh, which means Joe Linton out wide and Callum Wilson centre forward. Well, on that, you mentioned that they didn't have a game at the weekend, Newcastle. Nelly Howe was asked about this today in his press conference and whether it was a, a boost, because I think a lot of people would think, yeah, great, they can have the weekend off. But Howe said to the reporters today, the rhythm you get from playing a game is some is sometimes better than resting. We've trained well and the players are in a good place. The boys have been together this week and the preparation has been good. Currently, we're very pleased. But it doesn't sound like he's 100% convinced not having a game was, was the best thing for the squad. I suppose it just goes back to what you always say, John, the importance of momentum. But you would argue, even with the day off, I mean, what they had, six days off or so, the momentum surely is still there to carry them through. The, the momentum is still there. And if Newcastle had played on Saturday and Bruno had picked up a knock like the scare that he had recently when everybody was terrified and he suddenly got off his bed of nails and walked, um, if we'd had something like that, it would have been a darn sight worse. Um, no, I think, <clears throat> I think it hasn't done Newcastle any good. I don't go down the route that I saw somebody go down and say, well, 
Newcastle losing at Sheffield Wednesday is played into Newcastle Sands because it gives them a free weekend before they, they return with Southampton. I wouldn't easily dismiss the, the result at Sheffield Wednesday that way. And I don't think we went with an understrength team thinking we can get beaten. We won't have to play between the two legs of the semi-final. Not at all. You, players like to play, but it won't have done Newcastle any harm. And by the way, beating Blackpool by a single goal, 2-1, will 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 not have damaged Southampton's confidence, but it won't have boosted it. They struggled at times to beat Blackpool, for goodness sake. We just sacked the manager and got Mick McCartney in. So um, I don't think they, and they didn't feel the full side, they didn't feel people like Ward Prowse, which shows you how much they're taking this game seriously when he was left out at the weekend. But I don't think it'll... I don't think the result at Southampton will have any effect on the game tomorrow night. Had Southampton lost at home to Blackpool, the result would have had a huge effect on the game. But beating them 2-1 will not change what's going to happen up here. Um, we've got another question here about Maxi from Christie. Uh, see, if we remember Southampton had control of maybe 15 minutes with Walter Peters cons constantly attacking us from the right-back spot, Maxi came on and the dynamics changed, uh, Maxi's pace would exploit them. Should we be starting uh, St. Maxman and dropping Willick? Now, I said earlier in the show, I would start Maxi and Willick would be the man to go out for me. We'll caveat as always, John, so you don't have to say it again. We know what Eddie Howe is likely to do, and that's an unchanged side. But if you were the manager, you you would you would stick with Maxi on the bench and, and keep Willick in? Yes, I would. Um, I would. I, I would like to see Maxi on some occasions, and I think it was a great shame. I think he was ill, wasn't he, when we played Sheffield Wednesday, and he didn't and he didn't play. That was a great shame because he could have started from the start and would have seen what would happen. He'll have to start from the start at some stage because injuries will dictate that. And as I say, Gordon has changed that for him there a little bit. But um, again, we'll go back and I keep saying it. It doesn't matter what me and you would do or the fans. It matters what Eddie Howe would do. And Eddie Howe is a very big fan of Joe Willock. If you look at Joe Willock this season, and has he ever, has there been a match where he, if he wasn't starting, he didn't go on as a sub? I think he's virtually been involved in every match Newcastle have played this season. Certainly, uh, he looked tired, though. I felt on Tuesday, he, I felt he looked, he looked really, after he missed them few chances, his head went down a little bit. And then it was the right time to bring him off because he looked absolutely knackered. And, um, that, I mean, that's another reason why I'd start Max. I think just get a bit of fresh legs in, into the side. Um, but again, it goes back to that routine of having the same players, I guess, John. So it'd be interesting to see. If Eddie indeed, will play Willock. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I've said what I would do, but I agree. I don't think there'll be many change, many changes. If yeah, I all, said but... I, would, I would play Isaac, but Eddie won't from the start. I, I mean, we don't know for certain, but I, it would be a, a raising of the eyebrow if anyone is dropped, is fit and is dropped from the Newcastle side tomorrow night. Mm. It's, it's just with the whole Isaac thing, I just think with it being one game, you know, this is one game. This isn't like you can pick up a draw and you'll say, oh, it's a draw, it's a point. This is like the game to get to Wembley. And if Wilson's not firing, it doesn't matter if he's fit. 
he's just not firing. It's just not working for him. I mean, Isaac had more touches than him in the in nearly half the time against Southampton. Well, I, I, I've got to I've got to emphasise that I'm an Isaac fan. I'm a Callum Wilson fan when he's on blob, but he has worried me. He's gone eight or nine games his longest eight, stretch without without scoring, and it's not just been that. He hasn't been blistering the side of the post or lashing headers onto the barn over. And he has looked, he has worried me over the last two or three games. He has genuinely worried me. He's looked last lackluster. Uh, he hasn't been running the channels in the way that he normally does. And he has worried me greatly. Uh, we need to see him come again. All right, Miggy hasn't scored for what? five and a half games or whatever it is. But he looks probably, he looks inventive. He's still doing things going forward. He could do with a goal because that's always what the game's about. And it puts him into double figures, which is lovely for him because he hasn't done that too often. Mm -hmm. But you can see things in him that are reassuring. Wilson at the moment is a major worry and it's how to get him out of that they get him out of that by pulling him out of the fire line letting Isaac go and then introducing him gently as a sub or do you get him out of that by sitting him down saying i believe in you i always remember talking to shearer about you whatever it was when 96. in the 90s when yeah you're 96 yeah and and um, Venable sat him down before the tournament and said, whatever happens, Alan, in this tournament, you will be my centre-forward throughout this tournament. And Alan, Alan hadn't scored for England in a year and a half at that stage. Can you imagine that? I don't see it. And what happened? He won the Golden Boot in that tournament because he couldn't stop scoring. And he always said that the reason for that was that conversation with Venables. He went out of the room feeling 10 foot tall, although he wasn't scoring, and said, the manager thinks I'm the best around. I'm going to prove I am the best around. So it, it, it's interesting. It's psychology. It's, and this is how's into all this, how revels in this situation. So we'll wait and see what happens. But I have a genuine concern about Callum, and I'm desperate. Whether he comes on as a sub or he starts, I'm desperate for him to get a goal. Are you ready for the most Eddie Howe-like answer to the Isaac Wilson question? Are you ready, John? Because he's been asked it. Yes, of course he is. We know his answer. Go on. He said this morning to reporters, I've certainly got decisions to make in a few positions, and that is great from my perspective that we have competition building. We're looking and analysing training as well. I've got a big call to make. Have, has he ever said anything like that before, Andrew? I'm not certain that he has. Oh, yeah, I think, yes, I think. He's, he's a great diplomat and well done him. Um, but that tells us absolutely nothing whatsoever. I guess what you take away from that, we, we know that if the big decision needs to be made, he will not be afraid to make it. And that's, that is refreshing that he's, you know, he's not afraid to make the big calls. Let's talk about then transfers, John, because obviously Newcastle have signed Anthony Gordon from Everton for a reported £40 million fee, rising to £45 million with add-ons. They liked him in the summer. There was interest there. They've gone back in from uh, this this time around, beating Chelsea to, this, to the sign as well, and got him for a lot cheaper, it would seem. Chelsea were quoted for £60 million, so they've managed to get him for um, a better price. Your thoughts on him? You know, he's split opinion on social media. 
some worry about his attitude. Eddie Howe, Steve Nixon, Dan Ashworth, clearly they've watched him, they've done the homework, they clearly like what they've seen. Um, in fact, I'll read a quote from Eddie Howe because, of course, he was um, asked about Gordon today. And he says, I believe he will fit our style of play. He is an incredible athlete and has the ability to run box to box at very high speed. I think he has the athletic durability that we want in our wide players. He has the passion that the fans will feed off, but Anthony will have to earn that support. I think there's a lot of interesting things he actually says there. For, for I know we always say how doesn't say it too much, but you've got him out there, wide players. So that's a, a big hint to where his main position will be. He's talked about the passion and he's just said to him, right, you come here, big money signing, but go and earn it. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna win these fans over straight away. Um, are you happy with the signing? Where where do you lie on it? It's an interesting and intriguing signing. Um the first thing I've got to say, the best, in my opinion, the best thing Anthony Gordon's got going from is the fact that Eddie Howe loves him as much. Because Eddie Howe has turned rank and file players like Almirin, Joe Linton, Shaw, to a certain extent, Longstaff, into quality players. He has done the impossible. The impossible, as far as I'm concerned, Almirin and Joe Linton, superstars who were very average in talk was of them going out the club. Shaw was a walking mistake and looks at the, the best ball-playing centre-half around the Premier League now. And that's what he can do with a player. And for me, the best thing with Anthony Gordon it's going from is the fact that Howe has wanted him so much. Howe has driven this, uh, this transfer. There's no question about that. He always has an input, etc. And Dan Asher has an input, and, and, and Nixon has an input, etc., etc. And the board have regarding the fee, but he has driven this. This is the kid he wanted, and he's watched him for a long, long time. He's very quick. He's very direct, and you know what? He's a worky ticket. And Eddie, who looks like a choir boy and should be should be singing the song from the snowman, is actually an iron fist in a velvet glove. And he loves that in a player. Now, he loves the aggression. I mean, Gordon came up here and went out for Everton against us at St. James's Park and was hated by our crowd because he was a worky ticket. They will now love him because he's, he's our worky ticket now. And we like working ticket players because it shows the care. We like Craig Bellamy, who was a worky ticket. Lee Bowyer was a worky ticket. Worky tickets are okay if they're our worky tickets, not the other side's worky tickets. It shows his enthusiasm. It shows his bottle. It shows, yeah, there's two worky tickets. There's a, you'll not get Trippier uh, standing off anybody, although he's not the biggest lad in the world. And Gordon's playing away there. So, you know, that tells you an awful lot. That is now on our side. And uh, I haven't been wildly enthusiastic about the signing because I, I've been a bit not keen on the way that he left Everton and a bit not keen on his last appearances for Everton. But there's a reason he's a young boy. And yes... His advisors could have advised him of a better way to handle his departure from Everton because that's left a very bad taste in the mouth 
it good isn't. There's no question about that. But that isn't our problem. Um, he didn't do too much when he played up here uh, with Everton. But the boy has hardly played recently, which will reflect on his team selection. I don't think he'll start against West Ham, whether we beat Southampton or we don't, because he hasn't played a lot recently. He'll be introduced from the bench. Um, but I'm warming to it. If anyhow wants him as much as that, then the lad's got a, a, a chance. If we talk about people not liking his attitude, it's because he's forced his hometown club to sell him, and that didn't look good. But it's why we've got him, and it's looking after his career, and if he shows the right attitude for us, his style of play does fit in to Eddie Howe. He's quick. He's courageous. He closes down fast. He, he, he presses well. All that is the way Newcastle play. So he's an and he's twenty-one. He's an identical picture of the type of player Newcastle need. Yes, they've paid a right few quid. There's no question. But they haven't paid as much as Chelsea might have paid uh, a few months ago. And. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the proof of the pudding's always in the eating, but uh, it's going to be intriguing, and I can see why it's happened. Mm. And I guess uh, I said this over the weekend, and I said this on the podcast yesterday that I did when Gordon was announced. If it's good enough for Eddie Howe, then it should be good enough for every Newcastle United fan. And I'm not saying we should just bow down and agree with everything the club does and everything Eddie Howe does, but... You know, they would have done their research, they would have done their scouting, they would have done their background checks. On but it, until Eddie Howe gets it regularly wrong, you've got it off the cap to him. When yeah. he's not getting it regularly wrong in the transfer market, and that's exactly what I was saying. And if you had to pick an identical, without putting a name to it, an identical forward to sign for Newcastle that's young and is going to have a long future, he would fit in as the high presser, the quick player, the the, the man, the spikiness of, of the guy, etc. He would fit the picture. Um, but it's all down to um, how the guy performs. And everybody else that's come to Newcastle has performed under the new regime and under Eddie Howe and the new owners has performed exceptionally well. Mm. Now, I'm excited about this one. I think um, I think it'll be a, a good one. And I'm sure you'll work hard and Eddie Howe will get the best out of him. Before we talk about Shelby's exit, John. I just want to get your take on, on, on this picture. So, actually, before I show John the picture, for those listening on the podcast, uh, I put a picture up of Trippier and Gordon clashing. So, that's what you heard John describing just moments ago um, about Trippier and Gordon when at St. James's Park and they had their little run in. I'm now going to put another picture up of Gordon meeting some of the players at the training ground. So, what you can see here is Gordon with Tyndall. Uh, he's meeting uh, Sean Longstaff. Dan Byrne is having his lunch. Uh, I think that's Paul Dummett and in the background. You've got the likes of Ryan Fraser, Lascelles, and Jamal Lewis. And what struck me, John, and I th actually struck a lot of people on social media because I tweeted this out and I got a great response, is how good the canteen looks. <laughs> Genuinely. I, yes. I, I, I was going through this gallery and I thought, great, look at that. Great to see them. Uh, you know, meeting and stuff. But the canteen looks like some boutique hotel. It, and com compared to what was there before, it was kind of just white walls and it looked like a school canteen. This is this is amazing. And it's funny because, 
you know, we, we have people who outside of Newcastle, you know, talk about expectation and talk about, you know, fans demanding too much. You'll remember it was all about Mbappe and Messi coming to sign. They've just signed a £40 million player and people are more fussed about how well the canteen's looking. What, what position is the canteen going to play for us? I, I mean, I didn't realise that was the boost. Yes, I'm having a bit of fun. Of course, the facilities were horrendous. Uh, they are improving and they'll improve a lot more. And it does look good, and so it should for a club that's third top of the uh, Premier League and in the semi-finals of the League Cup. And um, the the photograph, the players that are around Anthony Gordon there, just talk about what I was talking about. I mean, half of them were snarling at him a couple of months back or whenever it was when we played at St. James's Park. And now his spikiness is one of them. They, they love him because, uh, you know, you want somebody spiky on your side. You didn't get people at St. James's Park uh, either in the dressing room or, or on the terraces complain about Craig Bellamy you got all the opposition complaining about Craig Bellamy. He could cause trouble in an empty room and in a graveyard and all this sort of stuff. But when he's your spiky guy, then that's a different that's a different ball game. And you need a bit of that in, <clears throat> in a player. That was the famous phrase that we had from Eddie Howe, wasn't it? Where he said, you know, words to the effect of Newcastle aren't there to be liked. They're there to compete and get results. And that's exactly what we're about. And we've talked about the dark arts recently with Newcastle where they'll scuff the penalty spot or they'll delay on a penalty or a throw-in or whatever. Anything to take advantage. Do we think that Alex Ferguson wasn't the master of that when Manchester United were winning everything that was possible uh, to win? Etc. Etc. It is part of football and, and, and this is part of football and from that point of view, he'll be welcomed by people that were snarling at him a couple of months back. Mm, I mean, that's football, isn't it? I think um, there's a lot of people saying, oh, Trippier and, 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 and Cher won't welcome him. But, you know, players clash all the time on, on the pitch. Their own players will clash on the training ground. It's just part and parcel of football, isn't it? Um, I just want to get one final word, though, on that canteen, John. The fact that, and I, I genuinely mean this, I was I was like, yes, I was like celebrating these pictures when I saw the You were celebrating the canteen. Yeah. And good people good on good Twitter were following us as well, doing exactly the same. Just how low the standards were before the takeover. I mean, that just emphasizes the fact. It reaffirms it, wasn't, doesn't it? We're, we're sitting here applauding that they've had a, a, a new canteen built in plush chairs and tables. I mean, just how low things had got before the takeover. Oh, without the shadow of doubt. Newcastle United were bought by Mike Ashley as a vehicle for his business, which was selling football shirts. Uh, it worked brilliantly for him. But uh, once he had his feet under the table, it was a matter of how much juice can we squeeze out of the orange without putting any sunshine on the orange to, to bring the juice to fruition. And that's what we did. We'll spend nothing on the ground. We'll spend nothing on the uh, training ground. We'll spend as little as possible on the team. We finished fifth top and bought one player that summer instead of cementing uh, what we had. And we went back to, to fighting relegation fights. Um, 
So that was notorious, and you're quite right. We we almost get bludgeoned into accepting that as the norm. And then when we see it change, we say, goodness gracious, isn't it fabulous? And I think it's absolutely wonderful that on the, the day before Newcastle hopefully get to Wembley in the League Cup, and the day before the transfer deadline closes when Newcastle bought a £40 million player, we are thrilled about the canteen. That's brilliant. I love that. That's good fun. That, But I can understand thoroughly, being serious, where fans and yourself are coming from. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, we're going to talk about Charlie, but just briefly, Kieran Trippier signs an extended deal, keeping him potentially Terrific. at the club 2025. Happy with that, John? Oh, absolutely. He epitomises everything the new Newcastle United is about and the old Newcastle United ought to have been about. Mm. Um now let's go to John Joe Shelby. This has kind of come out of the blue. Obviously, he's been injured. He's been working back to yeah. fitness. It's said that he is about ten days away from being ready to, to play again. It looks like he is the one who has asked for the move to Nottingham Forest. Forest have come in. Looks like they're going to offer him a good deal um, and you know a good wage as well. So let me read some quotes f- from Eddie Howe again from his press conference. So. Eddie Howe said this morning, and we are recording this, uh, so it is currently quarter to 11. So, of course, if you're listening later in the day, Shelby uh, may or may not be a Forest player by then. We expect he will be. But this is what Eddie Howe had to say. I believe John Joe's talking to Forest. I don't know what stage it's at currently. He's been a huge player of this football club over the last seven years and been an important part of my squad. I certainly don't want to lose him, but I understand the player's wishes with his contract coming to an end. Of course, his contract is up at the end of the season. He does have uh, an extension clause, but he has to meet certain criteria, i.e. play a certain amount of games. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. So you can understand maybe while he's gone away or has to go away. Um, More from how he says it would be very difficult to keep John Joe currently with where he wants his career to go. You can keep players that want to leave, but you have to take every situation independently and try and judge everything. It's a very difficult situation because from a football perspective, I definitely want to keep John Joe, but there's this situation to think about. Now, the big question is, John, letting John Joe Shelby go, I think is a massive gamble at this point. I can understand the business side of it. Say it's 10 million. I can understand Shelby coming and saying, I want to go because I'll be guaranteed first team football. I get a nice bump my contract. But from a Newcastle point of view, even though he hasn't played for a long time, they're already short in that area. Letting him go is a massive gamble because they are one injury away from a Bruno, from a Longstaff, from potentially playing Elliot Anderson in the middle, which he might do a good job, but you're chasing top four football. You need that senior pro in there. And I think they already needed one before Shelby goes. You know, if he goes, I'd argue they need two. They're not going to get two. They might not even get one. It's a massive gamble, isn't it? Yes, but it may be. Um, it's exactly the same massive gamble as letting Chris Wood go to exactly the same club when we haven't got another centre forward. And I do think, taking it first and foremost as a piece of business... I do think both Chris Wood and John Joe Shelby are yesterday's men as far as Newcastle's concerned. And I mean that when they were here. 
Newcastle have moved beyond both Shelby and Wood as first team regulars at Newcastle. We're better than that now. Maybe when we're in a relegation fight last season, certainly when we're in relegation fights under Ashley, then these fellas can be important. These fellas aren't starters in a team that's third top of the Premier League and about to go to Wembley in the League Cup. They're not good enough at this stage of their career for that. So from Newcastle's point of view, both players are expendable. And from both players' point of view, they're better off going and being a big noise in a club at the wrong end of the table, which is what they're doing. Um, I take totally your point of view that um, it can leave with short in particular positions. But when was the last time we had John Joe Shelby regularly available to the first team? He's been at the back end of last season, at the beginning of this season, he's been regularly injured, hasn't he? He hasn't been around to be the cover that we want. And we don't know what stage we're at. Yes, we desperately need, and I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we desperately need a midfielder in. There's absolutely no question. We will definitely get a quality, quality midfielder in the summer. It might well be Madison, which is the hope of so many of us. It might not be, but it might well be. But can we get somebody like that by Tuesday night? Probably not. And then, as I've already said, we are beginning to run on four players for three positions with Bruno, Longstaff, um, Willick and Joe Linton, <clears throat> backed up by Elliot Anderson, untried, but a real possibility for the future. I would like to see a midfield in before the end of tomorrow night, without a question. Um, but I'm not going to cry over John Joe Shelby going or the same way as I didn't cry over Chris Woodgood. And it would seem, by the way, that Nottingham Forest, Hoover up, anybody at all that can get, this must be the 25th signing, John Joe, that they've made this season. Can you imagine? We were supposed to be the club that had far too much money and would go silly in, in the transfer market and throw money about like uh, confetti. It's been Forest that's done that. And, you know, if you want a club now, give Forrest a ring and say, look, I, I, I'm looking for a transfer. Are you interested? And the answer will be yes. They, yes, they will be interested. Yeah. I can see what they're trying to get with him. I think that Wood and Shelby have had to leave this club. The only thing to be that anybody would discuss is whether the timing's right or whether Newcastle have not got a replacement in to then let them go and left a bit vulnerable. But on terms of ability, I've got no problem. I think they're yesterday's men in the build, rebuilding of Newcastle United. The problem is, as you say, you could get easily exposed at centre-forward and easily exposed at midfield. It would only take a, a couple of injuries or perhaps only one injury uh, or one suspension. And Joe Linton collects bookings like confetti these days. Um, and then we're in trouble. So, yes, there is that vulnerability. Yeah, Sean says, shall we be in the lad? He is if he wants to go. He isn't the lad likely um, to be a working ticket, so there's no point having players that aren't getting games. I agree he's a good player and we'll miss him, but we need to look ahead. He is injury-prone, so let the lad go. 
Um, you, I mean, the fact that Howard isn't standing in his way, Shelby looks like he's the one that's 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 manoeuvred this. Shows again the importance, I think, of having how he wants players who want to be here. And he's he's not slating Shelby. He says he's going to be sad to see him go. He doesn't want to lose him. He would never, he would never slate a leaving player. Name me one player that's left Newcastle that he said the mildest criticism of. He won't. And by the way, I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean that's one of his great mm. strengths. He doesn't hang you out to dry publicly. So what happens then in terms of cover for the midfield? We've mentioned Elliot Anderson. His preferred position is a more central role. He's been unlucky with injuries this season. Do you advocate Eddie Howe saying to Elliot Anderson, right, you're going to step up, you're going to be the, the man behind the, the, the chosen three or four at the moment. Do Newcastle go into the, to the loan market? They've been linked to uh, Sander Burge, the Sheffield United midfielder, who I really like. I think he's a really good uh, solid midfield. I'm surprised no one's coming from um, actually and already nabbed them from the championship. 24 years old, defensive midfielder, can really put his foot in but can pick a pass, knows where the net is as well. I like him. I think that would be a good move. I, I, but I do think that would be um, a bit of a surprise and one. I know they're under a transfer embargo and what have you. It looks like Newcastle are only going to move in the loan market by what Eddie Howe saying, reading between the lines. So would Sheffield United strike a deal for that and say, well, come the summer, we'll have him back. If we win the Premier League, it's, it's one of those, I'm sure. Uh, clever well, men you would think they with. would want to keep the best players to confirm that they, they're going to go into the Premier League next yeah. season. Although they or know, or sell, sell a big, big one and pay the embargo. That's that's the other yes, way. Yes, that's look but, like but, but what's the point in getting the embargo ways now with only hours to go by the time that happened to the end of the transfer? You know, um, it's not so crucial as it is at the beginning of the summer. Uh, Fulham, Fulham are also chasing this big Norwegian. Mm. Um, so that would be interesting as well. Uh, it shows that Newcastle are alert to this, as they ought to be. And it's it's easy for a blind man to, to see what Newcastle need in a midfielder to replace Shelby. We were short there when Shelby was staying here. We were still short of a midfielder. Um, and it would be nice to get somebody in before tomorrow night, albeit on loan, um, just so that we've got the extra bodies. Anderson will move up automatically um, because of Shelby. Uh, in the pecking order in the same way as St Maximin can move down because of Gordon. It just happens automatically in a club, doesn't it? Um, so Anderson will have a big part to play uh, in the run into the season because it could very well be very necessary. And he is going to be a top, top player, but it's putting a lot on his shoulders if he's got to come into a side for any length of time between now and the end of the season, a side pushing for the Champions League. Um, and, you know, if we get to uh, Wembley, I am keep saying if now for you, Andrew, of course, if we get to Wembley, who knows? I mean, for goodness sake, we could get an injury before Wembley mm. to a midfielder. Uh, heaven forbid. But um, yes, there's there's that. It would be nice if we got the Sheffield United guy um, in on loan with a view to a permanent deal at the end of the season. We could certainly do with somebody. We are running... If you go back on our podcast, I mean, I've been talking about the midfield position for a while, long before Shelby was gone. Uh, and Shelby's been living on board time in the same way as, as, as Wilson's been living on board time. It's just the timing of the exit, which is interesting. 
But Nottingham Forest will always make it difficult for you to keep players because they just come with a load of pound notes, and uh, uh, both for the player and for the club, because they just sign in the hope. They seem to sign 24 in the hope that 11 of them will be half decent. Yeah, it's an interesting strike. I'm just going to check. You said Wilson. Did you mean Wood? Or was Wilson? Oh, yeah, I meant Wood. Yes, I meant Wood. Just before yes. we start getting letters written to it. Yes, um, absolutely. I meant Wood. Yes. You said there, Anderson, you know, getting thrown in. He's 20 years old. Gordon's only a year old. And I know he hasn't had the same first team experience, but hey, he's clearly a talent. So maybe this is his, his moment, is his, his time. There's also a couple of players at Chelsea that I think if Newcastle weren't doing so well in the league ahead of Chelsea, you, you could potentially see, you know, the likes of Loftus-Cheek or, or Conor Gallagher coming in and filling that role on loan. But Chelsea aren't likely to lend. No, they're uh, not going to get with them on Chelsea. loan, are they not? Um, if Newcastle, John, don't sign anyone else and it's just Gordon, and I think... Yeah. Because we know... Well, they'll sign Harrison Ashby, of course, yes. the young right-back from West Ham. But, in but terms he's of, more for tomorrow than today. Yeah, in terms of a midfielder or a forward. So, I mean... Eddie Howe was asked a replacement for Shelby. He said, we'll see what we can do in the market to see if we can bring someone in in terms of permanent signings. That would be very difficult, but we'll look for a loan situation. But it has to be the right player. And that's the key. It has to be the right player. We know the standards they set off the pitch in terms of attitude and temperament. That's not easy. That To find a player that fits that is not going to be easy, especially in the loan market. So I could see them going without anyone coming in. All right. If that happens... Give me one out of ten for waiting the, the January window. Well, uh, you're right. Um, of course, Newcastle won't be just starting from today saying, ooh, who will we get on loan? Yeah, they'll have a list. Um, because they've had a list of midfield players, right-backs, centre-forwards, wide players. For weeks and months, they've had the peck-and-order list and they just refer to that and bring one of them up the list which is what happened with, with Gordon and what's happened with Harrison Ashby. Um, so they're not starting from scratch now, but they're starting from scratch in terms of trying to complete a deal with only 24 hours to deal with it. Um, the transfer window, as far as people coming in concerned, is has been pretty good. Um, as far as going out is concerned, it's just whether we've taken... A risk with the, the, the two guys going to Forest. And numerically, without question, we have taken a, a risk. Uh, it'll be better to sum up at 11 o'clock tomorrow night because we could well have somebody else in for midfield by that, which would change the whole complexion of everything. I think we'll also have somebody out because Darlow will go to Hull City, by the yeah, way. He's con- that he's deal will he's happen. confirmed that Eddie Howe's press conference. So, yeah, Eddie Howe's confirmed that... Uh, Cardola will join Hull City after the yeah, semi-final. no question about that. That's already a done deal. Um, um, so that changes. But mind, we had five keepers. We had to get a keep out. Mm. We had to get a keep Just out. Before I ask for your... I'm going to ask for your score prediction, John, because there's no point asking for a result prediction for this game. I just yes. want to read you something that uh, the Southampton boss, Nathan Jones, said about how they're going to approach the Newcastle United game on Tuesday. So he said... It's just about being the ver- the best version of ourselves. We'll go there with a game plan. We'll go there to try and be as positive as we can. We know we have to win the game. We can't go there and be caged or anything. I think that could play into our hands as well because they're a good side, a fantastic side, but it's evenly poised. 
We're not going there three down. It's a real mountain to climb. What we've got to make sure is start well, be positive, and try and get first goal. Now, it sounds like they're going to come out bang up for this. They're going to try and go and get that first goal. Does that play in Newcastle's hands? Well, because first of all, it's going to be there. Yeah, first of all, they can't do anything else. This is a knockout competition and they're already worn down. It's not naught-naught, which it normally is when you start a match at St. James's Park. They're already a goal down. They've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. But they're not good enough to, to for, uh, for it to gain, I think. I mean, he's talked a good fight now with the difficulties going out and implementing it from Southampton's point of view. Um they are still bottom of the league and they're still one goal down and they're still playing away from home. So the task is monumental for them. And they'll have a go. Don't give free kicks around the edge of our box away because Ward Prowse will beat even a goalkeeper if, if, if Pope's ability on occasions because it could turn out to be the showdown between the free kick specialist Trippier and Ward Prowse who gets the free kicks around the box and who sticks it in the back of the net. And... I hope it doesn't come to that. And Nathan Jones is saying what he's got to say. Um, he's facing a monumental task. It can be done, but it can only be done if Newcastle United allow it to be done. Um, that's the bottom line. And I don't think this Newcastle United are that sort of side, either an organisation, in a mental approach to the game, or in any other way. They're not the sort of side that does that. And I don't, you know, last year when Trippier was in the side, they'd lost it home to Cambridge in the FA Cup before the 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 um the rising from the dead. Uh Newcastle were quite capable of going down that route. I don't think they are now. Um I think the reason one of the reasons why I'm I'm, I'm happy and quite confident is not just because man for man, Newcastle have got the better players, but they've got a terrific attitude to the game. They've got a terrific work ethic. They've got a terrific camaraderie. They are all the things that, if you're lacking in them, bring a giant killing. And in a way, this will be a giant killing. If the team bottom of the league and one down, come in a semi-final in Newcastle and get the Wembley, that's a giant killing. Newcastle, the current Newcastle squad don't fit into that. And I would be absolutely staggered if it happened. I think it won't be a stroll in the park. It's what semi-finals are strolling apart. It won't be a stroll in the park. But I do think at the end of the day, our dream will have become a reality that we're at Wembley. Then comes a whole different ball game in winning at Wembley. Mm. So, Roger has said he's going to go for a 2-1 win tomorrow night. You reckon Southampton will get a free kick? Just before I ask you for your yours, John, just read their report that Sander Burge is on the verge of joining Fulham for a £20 million deal. So, maybe that one isn't going to happen for... Yeah, I mentioned that Fulham were in um, from And I think that's a bit... That was a bit too far down the road for us to be able to pull it back, especially with a loan deal. You know, it didn't... It yeah. wasn't going to happen with a loan deal from the kids' point of view. Yeah, Rogers had a change of heart. He says, No, I'll ignore that. Actually, I think uh, they'll win 2 0 Newcastle. So there we go. Uh, John says, I think we'll reach, John Askew says, I think we'll reach Wembley simply because we're a better side than them. 
2 0 to Newcastle. John, how's it going to go? Exactly that score was what I was going to say before the two boys went up online there. Um, I don't think they're capable of scoring outside of Ward Prowse, which is always a massive, massive danger. I'm also hugely anxious that Pope doesn't let in a goal because he's he's only got to keep two clean sheets to equal the the record set 14 years ago by uh, Van der Sar at Manchester United for successive clean sheets. Mm. Uh, if he keeps a clean sheet against Southampton and a clean sheet against West Ham, he's equal the record. And then if he goes to Bournemouth and gets another clean sheet, he's set an all-time record. And I would love him to do that. I think he deserves that. I think the back four deserve it for the way they've helped protect them. And I think we'll win 2-0, which will make it 3-0 on aggregate. And as I've stressed, it will not be a walk in the park because Southampton are Premier League club, at least for the moment. They have some reasonably good players. They've got an outstanding player in Ward Prowse. And it's the semi-final of the Cup, for goodness sake. It's all or nothing. They may as well, the whole lot of them, have a real go because they'll not have a better chance of getting to Wembley than they have purely and simply because it's a semi-final. But they had to do it for me in the first leg. They coming up here... All those years ago, 1976, when I was sitting in the press box following Newcastle, Newcastle lost 1-0 to Spurs down there. And we came home, having to overturn that and certain that we would. They have to overturn a 1-0 deficit, the same as Newcastle did, but they're not at home their way. They've mm. got to come away and turn over a 1-0 deficit, and they won't do that. 2-0 to Newcastle. Well, we'll take that. I agree. I think Newcastle will win. I'm going to say 3 0. Well done, you. Well done. For somebody that was a bit nervous, you've come out well in the end, Andrew. Nervous, yeah. If you persuade us, uh, I think Dan Burns going to grab one. I think Isaac's going to grab one. And Miggy, little like ice on top of the cake, you'll get the other one. There we go. I've even given you some scorers as well, John. You'll be telling us who's taking the corner kick for Burn to score next. I mean, uh, you're really going into detail there. Well done, you. And just before we sign off, you'll be pleased to know that we've launched a second fan club for a Newcastle United player. Aaron Stokes is going to chair this one. It is the Nick Pope fan club. I know you weren't too keen on joining the Miggy fan club. What about the Nick Pope fan club? Already in it. Already in it. There we go. Yeah. Absolutely outstanding. Um, if he was here long enough, he would be the greatest Newcastle goalkeeper of all time. But the only thing that's against that is that Shea Given was here for so long and was magical for so long. That would take some overhauling. Yeah. But he is right, right up there with the very best in our history. There we have it. Well, this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Please remember to hit that subscribe button on YouTube or the follow button on your podcast provider and leave us a rating and review. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you can keep a date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including a dedicated transfer live blog and of course all the build-up to tomorrow's second leg semi-final against Southampton and our dedicated live blog of the game as well, which we'll be getting in the way from mid-afternoon on Tuesday. And we'll be covering all the deadline stuff as well. Me and Aaron will be back here in the studio after the game tomorrow. It's going to be a late one, 
and hopefully we'll be celebrating a Newcastle United win and securing that place in the EFL Cup final. John, all that remains to be done. Give me a good luck message for the lads tomorrow. Lads, you don't need good luck. You just need to do what you've done all season. One defeat uh, against Liverpool. I don't include Sheffield Wednesday because our reserves lost there. You go out and do it. Get us to Wembley and then make a very old man very, very happy because I've waited an awful long time since 1969 to see Newcastle win something. This is the chance. Do that. Qualify for the Champions League and you can walk on water. There we have it. Here we go. Good luck, lads. Thank you very much for tuning in. All the best, guys.